What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Stiff Shaft Podcast. I'm your host, Longbow Dan, and today's guest is Rod Jenkins. If you haven't heard of Rod, Rod is a national IBO world champion and has coached many other champions in both ASA and IBO all over the U.S. Rod hosts clinics and talks about his skills and drills to help develop you and make you a better archer, whether you're trying to just get more proficient or break through a plateau. There's lots of information in here, guys, so grab a pen and paper because I truly believe some of this stuff is going to help you guys build that bomb-proof shot sequence that you were looking for and the training behind it to make that more practical in your everyday use. Before we get started on this, I got to thank my sponsors because without them, I wouldn't be able to do a lot of the things I could. America's Best Bowstrings, Big Jim's Bow Company, Vortex Optics, Selway Quivers, Gold Tip Arrows, and Cryptic Outdoor Group. Guys, I've bought and paid for a lot of that stuff for well over a decade, and I continue to use it because it's great products, and I truly believe in all of those companies. Go give them a look and let them know I sent you. Now let's dive in. Um, good afternoon, everyone. Rod Jenkins here. So, Rod, I mean, you've been a coach for for a long time. I mean, when did you feel like you wanted to start coaching? You know, probably about 2000 and four five or now about probably six or seven uh, you know i got to thinking and i've been coaching some and some people have some success and just you know at shoot saying hey if you do this it'll work well and then i got to think about well you know let's do this on a bigger scale so then i started breaking down okay what's really important you know and then did all you know several different little experiments on what was important for instance um you know, uh, everybody always talks about aiming. Of course, I gap, and, uh, you know, everybody, they think, okay, well, if I learn to gap shoot, I'm going to be a great shooter. So, at that particular time, when, you, you know, you're competing every weekend, there's always guys saying, hey, I'd love to come shoot with you sometime. And we had a private indoor range. And what they really meant was, is I'd like to come up there and, you, you know, and help me, because they don't care if you shoot or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So, um, so we, we rigged up and experiment. Just got a group of guys, just average shooters together, and um, and they all shot the same bow. We got some lightweight. They were uh, Samick Sages, I think, before they were even called Sages. But it, but anyway, just a you know cheap round bow, and we shot half of a three hundred round, you know, thirty shots, and kept score. And then I put a a campsite on each one of them, single pin campsite, and there's not a better aiming method than having a side on the boat. And, and we let everybody shoot, and we stayed overnight, you know, really, and uh, let everybody shoot, 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 until they got, you know, used to using a side. And then we put a, excuse me, I'm getting a call. Okay, excuse me. Um, so then we kept score again, and the amazing thing was that the scores didn't change. You know, we could have put a four pairs of ice lens, and the scores would basically come the same because guys, you know, I'm talking about this average guys, didn't execute well enough for aiming method to really help them. So I haven't ever really pushed aiming method. Maybe in some advanced stuff I do, but um, it's just learning to shoot the bow and execute every time was one of the key things that I learned it was very very important you know like you brought up a good point I think that's one thing that's really missed out in today's community is there is so many different ways to aim a stick bow now people don't realize how much more important it is to learn to shoot the bow first because aiming is aiming is relatively easy it's it's everything that you do beforehand you know all the way through conclusion is what makes that shot do the same thing every single time Exactly, like it's talking about these guys, we could put up, uh, you know, a four-fire lens, and it wouldn't have made any difference because they couldn't execute well enough, you know. So, and the aiming methods you talk about we have now, we've, we've had for a lot of years, you know, a lot of years since I was a, you know, at least back before I was a teenager. And, um, and you know, we're just rediscovering some of them now. Like a fixed crawl is a big deal now, but... Guys were doing that in the 70s, you know? Yeah, you know, um, one thing with this podcast I would love to do is be able to bridge the gap and just make archery archery again. 
Um, yeah. To a point, it can be because, you know, we talk about traditional stuff, but a lot of people forget that in the 50s and 60s, there was bare bows with stabilizers and sight marks on them. Absolutely. And it was all just shooting a bow. Um, so, I mean, that's that's kind of like the, the background of what I would like to do is just make shooting a stick bow a stick bow. I mean, I don't care what you put on it. I don't care what you do. Obviously, as far as competing, you know, if you want to make it an even playing field, there's a couple of differences, right? I mean, a bare bow is definitely considered a little bit different than a modern long bow with carbon arrows, you know. But um, for the most part, I think... You know, I'd love to see us more blended instead of segregated um, by what we shoot. Well, good luck with that. I've been trying to do that since uh, all the late nineties, anyway. <laughs> it just, uh, I, it, it's it's a tough tough game. You know, the, the way to get guys to accept the fact that or accepts the way someone else wants to do it. Right. So I want to bring I want to bring up something. There's a lot of guys that are coming into the sport, and it's definitely blowing up as far as I can see. It's been blowing up. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that shoot just mainly in their backyard, and there's guys that want to start competing. For you, what do you think? Like, what's the average shooter that comes to one of your clinic that says, "Hey, I'm at this level, and I want to I want to break that barrier and go to the next." Um, if we had to put a score on it, you know, as far as a 300 round or a 20 target 3D course, you know, that would be something a lot of people can understand. Or if you've got a different way of explaining, like, um, what that moment is to where people really should start seeking coaching would be. I, I, I really don't. Average guy, you know, if we set up a full 300 round, they would shoot in uh, the two. The, the average guy that's been shooting for a while he, he would shoot in the 200 to 220 range, you know, and he'd be about a seven point per target on a, a closer range, like a, a local traditional 3D tournament. That That's about where they're at. And, and you know, and some of them pretty good sh- shooters, they, you know, they, they take the time and they don't take shots they can't hit and kill a lot of deer, you know, but, and, but to reach that another, you know, another level that's, got to be a lot more applied yeah now you do something that's really cool that i like uh you you do drills and when i think back to my military days before i went on any mission or anything we would do rehearsals which is basically what your drills are um you know we start off dry fire like no ammo blank fire and then we go live and Um, from what I'm gathering, your blank bell is basically like the dry fire portion, right? Absolutely, yes, yes. Now, when we talk about blank bailing, um, do you think there's a percentage that people should stick to uh, blank bailing versus just going out in the backyard and shooting 20 and 30 yards? I think when you're in the training stages, it's the achievement is far easier to to obtain if you totally stay off targets and stay on blank bail for a period of time. And you may have, my bridge program, not, I called it mine, it's not, it's Lenny Cardinelli's, but a bridge program to bridge between blank bailing and actually results on the target to make that bridge between blank bail and target. Um, and, you know, we get guys in the clinic all the time and, you know, They'll, they'll do drills for a week or two and start really feeling strong and then they go out and shoot a 3D. Well, when you shoot 3Ds or, or hunting or, uh, you know, squirrel or deer or anything, you basically, you stop doing anything but aim. You, you know what I mean? Right. Because if you're, if you're shooting for score, you're going to aim regardless and that's the only thing you are doing. So those old habits before they ever did any blank bailing come right back automatically and so you you quit you know you stop shooting yourself in the foot when you stop shooting for score long enough to learn how to shoot for score if that makes any sense no it makes good sense because like we talked about earlier aiming is fairly easy it's either finding your crawl or putting the tip of your arrow where it's supposed to go 
it's the execution, right? It's the entire execution piece that needs to be repeatable, you know? Right. And, and yeah, under yeah, stress. To be successful, excuse me, to be successful, you have to reach a point that you can trust the subconscious to run all the shot pieces that's there. And that phrase, you have to do nothing but aim to, to be at the height of your game. Is you've got, the only thing you have to do is aim because you can trust a stance, bow hand, fingers on the string. You can you can trust all those parts to run yourself. It frees you up just to aim, and that's when guys really take off with high marks. Yeah, you know, I've been posting a couple of pictures on my Insta story of, you know, I've been shooting five yards pretty much every day at the bow shop I work at. and It's slow right now, so um, yeah. five yards, no target faces, I'm not aiming at nothing, and I stepped out, so I'm going on a pretty big hunt this week, and I need to shoot. I need to be able to shoot 30 yards. So I just went back in the backyard and just verified a couple of things. And just from spending the last three weeks shooting at five yards, I, I feel so much more confident at that 30-yard mark because it was so easy to just flip the aim on versus uh, struggling, I guess, trying to break a good shot. Yeah. And I've said this on several different podcasts is uh, traditional archery is the only sport in the world that tries to play the game all the time. You know, if you played football, baseball, um, like you were talking about the military, is they work on drills constantly to, to improve their technique. Drills, drills, drills. And we tend to, and I started the same way. We picked up a bow, and our only goal was hit something, and we never knew exactly what a bow hand was doing and all that. And, and you know, and some guys get really good at that until they get under pressure, and it all falls apart. You know, so you know, if every other sport in the world, you need to do drills and train that way. I don't get how people think you just shoot more and you get better. You know, you can actually you can ingrain bad habits real well by shooting more for score. Yeah, I, I totally really agree. Get any better, you know. You and a lot of guys. I take that back. They get to a point to where they plateau and they're this good, and in this little while, the subconscious is going to rebel and they're going to start going way downhill, and it's hard to ever come back. And a lot of those guys take up, you know, another sport. No, I I agree 100. percent You know, I've always been told, you know, under stress, you'll always fall back to your lowest level of training, and. Right. For the ninety percent, or even higher than that, you know, like what it, we don't have training, right? We don't. We just go out back and shoot, and hope that's what it's supposed to be like. Um, but you've got a bunch of drills that I like that are pretty easy. Um, I hate to say they're a little monotonous, but that's part of what drills are supposed to be. Drills have always been monotonous. But yeah, that's how we get better. Right. Exactly. You know. Um, and I just thought, so I, I, I just finished your roots, you know, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, the drills, like, really stuck to me because there's no other program out there like that that has do this to get better at that. You know, it's always, you always hear just have a stronger bow arm. Well, yeah, that's a part of it, but that's not the, you know, you got to fix it from the feet up. Um, there's always like really weird solutions out there from guys who just uh, did it in their backyard and it worked for them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And you know, and there's always different levels. Like what a guy says worked for him. Well, I probably wouldn't be happy with. You know, and, and not saying I'm a better shooter or anything. It's just saying that's not my my level. You know, I I, I want more. So what works for a lot of people won't work for me and you know the uh, and, and every sport's the same way you know what we call great is a whole and, it, and it's okay if you're you know if your level is here and you want to stay there more power to you but most times that's not the level that a lot of people are really looking for no and you know what at first you know i moved up to alaska in like 2012 and I didn't realize, you know, and to hunt in certain areas of Alaska, you have to do the IBEP 
which I don't know if you've ever taken that. It's the International Bowhunter Education Program course. And they make you qualify at the end of it. And I brought my stick bow, you know. Um, I shot well on it, and I passed it. But the whole time I was thinking was, man, what if I wasn't as prepared as I thought I was? You know, you'd lose your hunting privileges for that amount of time until the next course was available. Um, Yeah, Yeah, and that's one thing great about 3D and competitive archery, you know, indoors or whatever. You really, you you find out, and not everyone, but most everyone finds out that they're not really at the level they think they are when they get around good shooters, you know. Yeah, no, that's that's an understatement. You know, like going to IBO Trad Worlds and watching self-bow guys walk you around the course, you know, and not miss a 10 ring, you know, it's pretty eye-opening. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a great thing about a competition. It's, it's always bred the best, you know, and not necessarily the best shooters, but the best Techniques, the best ideas, the best thought processes. Competition has always done that. No, I agree. Um, so you talk about uh, your bridge method. For for a lot of guys that don't know what the bridge method is, um, and if you want to explain it, Rod, the floor is yours. You know, finding finding what the bridge method is online can be kind of uh, complicated because I personally haven't found a really good site that just explains it. And it, yeah. it's it's a certain amount of arrows, right, at at a set distance. Well, it, it's been done different ways. Like Lenny Card did is where I learned it. All right, Lenny at one time was you know one of the master coaches of the country. And um, but what the, the bridge would ball from is just simple problem is if we stay on the blank bale, say a certain set of amount of time, and we do drills, and we get a lot better. We still don't trust that on target for scoring yet. And we tend to go back and do what we've always done. For instance, when I used to coach in Decatur, we had a, uh, we could shoot 45 yards in the, in the back. It was an old Sears building and had indoor range back there. And we could go back there and shoot. Or I had a lane set up with a, a you know, just a block, a big block. And there was a table in there, and it was like 23 yards, and we'd, you know, we'd work all morning getting a guy to kind of execute and go in, and then we'd go eat lunch, you know. And I tell this story because it's funny. If I'm in Norway, it's the same thing. Guys do the same thing. Is we worked all morning to get him pulled through a shot or whatever. And you, you go eat lunch, you come back, and everybody goes, picks up that bow, and the first thing they want to do, they want to see how good they've gotten. You know, even though we've been doing it for five hours, they want to see how much they've improved. You know, and that's just the way guys do. And I, I watch them, you know, and I was kind of hang back and talk to some guys in the sport good store up front. And everyone does the same thing. You go back and see how good they get. And they're at 23 yards, they pick up a bow, and they want to shoot an arrow before I can get back there. That's what they want to do because, you know, they hadn't been able to shoot try to hit anything all morning. And every one of them collapsed. They have a terrible they they shoot the same shot they came there with and it's not their fault you know it's the fact is now they've got the pressure on they want to see how good they got and they revert back to the exact same thing they always done because that bail work we done this morning and we worked so hard at and the guy was looking really good doing it he can't trust it yet you know he wants to but his subconscious won't let him do it so he does basically the same thing he always done. And that's simply what the bridge is, is to bridge between blank bail work and shot execution and and aiming to it. So you're you're bridging to develop trust. Okay. It's a concept. And it's simple and you're right about it. I, I read online sometimes the guys explaining bridge and you know it's like oh you, you, you don't you know and a lot of times they just heard somebody else say it and they had their part and I've even had guys and I've had plenty they come back and explain it and they don't even get it right and so it, it's a, a lot of confusion but and, and I do it a little simply because um, 
uh, you know, like some of the AJ actors, they might black bail and shoot, you know, do things equivalent to black bail, but not shoot a target for three or four years, you know, and, and this is not practical for us to do it. Lenny and I had the conversation, you know, he, he talks about a couple of years, you are stay off target if you really want to be a world champion or the best. You know, and that, that's just not realistic for most of us. We're not going to do that. Okay. No, that's pretty hard, especially in a generation yeah. of yeah, that's, stuff at your uh, fingertips. You know, we're, um, let's do it now. Yeah. You know? you, but, so I, I, I try to simplify it to the bare minimum that's needed, and, and I break it down to you start at five yards, and this is after we went through a, a, a drill program to, to develop, you know, continuity in all the drills. And we get to bridge and we start at five yards and we start aiming at a target, which is, you know, a big target. Uh, NFAA single face is good. Uh, you know, a 30 inch target is not too big because our subconscious will give her credit to hit the target. We executed and we hit the target. The subconscious gives us credit for it. They don't have to be right in the center. So what I mean? Yeah. Here we're trying to gain. So just try to set it up to a guy to execute 40 perfect shots with no less than. And a less than is any part of the shot sequence that broke down and it was less than perfect, it's a less than. So the bridge program has got a little penalty phase. Like, say, for instance, you're coming in from work and it's 5 o'clock and you've got one hour to develop to the bridge tonight. Well, you come in and you start your, you know, you're working toward your 40 perfect shots and say about 5.15, all of a sudden you felt yourself do a little collapse. And you have to be honest with yourself because, you know, it's easy to say that wasn't that bad. Well, it was either perfect or it was less than perfect. You, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it lined yourself in saying it's better than it actually was. Doesn't, it doesn't help you and you know, it doesn't get you anywhere so what you do is is okay well I've got 45 minutes left to pull down the target and work on the drill that caused less than like if you felt a little collapse your expansion drill is weak you know? yeah. if you felt yourself grab your bow your bow hand you know, drill needs work so you spend the rest of the time and you come back in the next day okay I got I got one hour, it's five o'clock. And then you start at the same distance you failed to complete, which is five yards. I mean, you work, and believe it or not, five yards is tough. It gets easier as further you get back into it. But, you know, we're, we're trying to do things in a different way now. So it's the subconscious is fighting us a little bit. So we get, we finally work through and then we back up in five yard increments and try it all over again. And a funny thing happens, a guy, he'll, most of the time he'll struggle around it at five yards and he'll back up to 10 and most of the time it's 40 perfect shots and he walks through it. He chest his poke, you know, he pokes his chest out and say, I got this, I got it. So he doesn't pay great attention to detail the next day when he backs up to 15. Now 15 starts looking a little long and he doesn't have that great attention to detail because he thinks he's already got it, you know? Right. And um, so he'll have less than just right off the bat, and it's the most humiliating thing to think you have it, and then realize you're exactly the same place you started because you didn't pay, you didn't have great attention to detail. So one thing I always guarantee people, you know, I guarantee if you do the drills with total focus on the drill being performed, and you do the bridge with great attention to detail, you will become a good shooter. The other thing I guess is once you failed at 15 because you think you had it, I guarantee you, you'll do whatever it takes the next day not to have that lesson. So now you start learning to let the bow down. You know, you've got, oh, well, my bow hand, uh, it's, you know, I'm a little off. And most of the time we just try to, we'll go ahead and shoot there and see what happens, right? Yeah. We do it all the time. Everybody does. But when you get into that great attention to detail and you're bound determined not to have a less than. Now, if you've got any doubts about your bow and fingers on a string, you'll automatically let that bow down and reset it, recheck it, and then go again. So you start learning to let the bow down. And letting the bow down is a is a wonderful, you know, part of archery. Good shooters always let the bow down. It's so hard though. 
when I'm shooting with, you know, like world-class shooters, they let out a lot, 25, 30% of the time, you know, because they're not willing to shoot those less than perfect shots any longer. You know, that's how they got to where they at. Where if I go down, say, my home state and just shoot with the guys, which I, I love doing, you know, I, I really do. But, you know, I'll watch them and we'll shoot 25 targets, you know, small to round, so we shoot it two or three times. And I watch guys and they never let down a single time. And they know they should let down because they're always saying, I should let that one down. How many times have you heard that on 3D? Right? A lot. Yeah, a lot. But but unless you train and have a mindset that I'm not accepting less than perfect and let the bow down, you know, and learn to let the bow down when it's not set up correctly, you'll never get to that point. And and this is this is your commitment phase, right? Like I mean, this is where you're gonna you should have that light bulb moment where either you've done everything right and you've got the green light to go or right. you've got a red right. a red light saying, hey, let the bow back down. I need right. to fix it, this. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what, that's part we start adding, you know, when we start. Now we're aiming because now we have to have a commitment. It, it's either go, and, and it's simple. Is this shot of range and can I maintain control long enough to reach a conclusion? You know, if the answer is no, let the bow down. If the answer is well, maybe I'm not sure. The only logical thing to do is let the bow down because you're not going to fix it at full round. Right. Yeah. And and having that absolute control, a lot of it comes from having an absolute commitment. Most people don't have a commitment. You know, you know, that was one thing I learned when I first started coaching. I kind of assumed everybody had a commitment because I'd always shot around guys that had a you know commitment for every shot. You know, it's just no different than a rifle shooter, you know. He, he's got a commitment. If he's a good shooter, he's got a commitment, and he starts to squeeze and, you know, aim and squeeze and some shot breaks, you know. Right. Um, yeah, you know, we don't we don't shoot those rounds to see what happens and gets real good. And that's what we do with archery. Guys, so many of them, they just shoot. They don't shoot that shot to see what happens. Well, maybe I'll get lucky or whatever, you know, and and. It, and luck's one of those things I always say it's the worst thing that can happen to you because you get to thinking you'd be lucky more, you know, on a regular basis and it never happens, you know. So you, you don't do anything to improve. Yeah, I agree with that totally. Um, that's one thing, like when I talk to people, I did a video a while back. Um, my backyard and shooting with my buddies is like my testing phase, right? So like I, right. I train in my backyard, I test everything else I want if I want to implement something new as far as my in my shot and then i take it to 3d ranges because that's where pressure starts being applied um and if i see that i fall apart at a 3d range i go back home and i start over you know i go back from the ground up and i work on it um and then like your hunt or an ibo trad worlds would be like your your pinnacle i guess of that training cycle and then once you're done with that you figure out what you need to work on and go back right to Right to the roots, right, right back to the training ground, and figure out how to improve from there. Right, yeah. um, and that's one of the things that Blaine Bale's great for is is learning what really does work. Yeah, yeah. If the bow tells you every time if a bow's jumping straight toward target, you know you're getting off the string to the rear and all that. It's as good as it gets, you know. But if what you're trying doesn't do that, well, you know, you you have to really look at it. Yeah, and I think that's one thing too. You know, like you got to put time behind the string to start noticing some of those changes, right? Like instead of right. instead of saying, "Oh, I just flinched" or "I whatever," like you need to be able to pick out exactly what you did wrong. And right. if you're just flinging arrows and not thinking about it, it's really hard to to go back later on that day and say, "Man, why was I hitting to the left?" Versus yeah. fixing it. Um, yeah, and there's always a reason why. You just got to find it. Yeah. Right. So uh, also, I know I noticed in your course, you talk a lot about when you come off the anchor, touching your shoulder. Um, is that just to just help ingrain that proper alignment, that pop, proper follow through? No. Um, you know, follow through is, and, and I'm not sure what, concept or what kind you know how I was trying to say but I, I, my goal is never touch my shoulder 
I, I wanted that somewhere to have a conclusion. Okay. And I developed that shoot and feel when I was a kid because, you know, if you don't allow any changes, which is, you know, you maintain all the muscles exactly the way they are, no relaxation, no softening, until the arrow hits a target. was you know, my original, and still a real good one for a guy that's going to bow hunt and shoot 3D. Seeing that arrow hit the target is a good conclusion. But shooting 80 yards, you'd be wore out you know, in a day's time. So the shoulder touch was always my signal for conclusion. You know, it happens after there's already left a bow, and, you know, I maintain. But as far as follow-through, you know, sometimes I don't get it when guys are talking about follow-through. Follow-through is an action, and that action should all be built in. You know, if you've got all the muscles in play and you don't allow any changes until there's off the bow, well, it's not a better follow-through than that because you don't have to do anything. It's already all built in. Okay. And the shoulder touch is the fact that, you know, if, if I've got good back tension and the hand slides down the face and comes back, it's basically going to come back and touch my shoulder somewhere or another. And I know after I did one of the Masters, I, I started going some three days, and I'm watching guys just, you know, they collapse, and they're doing the same thing I always done, but they bring their hand back and touch your shoulder. And I realized they'd watched the video and, and didn't really get it. it and, you know, that shoulder touch is because I have enough back tension to power to there. It's a reaction to back tension, not an action that you did. Okay, it's a, yeah, it's a reaction. All right, that makes better sense. Right, right yeah. And, and sorry for losing there, but, you know, it, it shouldn't be anything you do because I, I see a lot of guys, they collapse in three or four inches and then snatch that hand back. Well, the arrow's already gone, man, you know. So it's, it's, a, it's a reaction to having proper back tension with no anticipation versus an action of something you do. No, it's cool to hear you say it like that because I think, you know, a lot of, you know, like my age, you know, I'm going to be 35 this year. Uh, that's what we see people do. So we try to emulate, right, without right. without the real reason why. And it's well, yeah, not understanding what the concept behind that was. Right, and you explained it really well because you know it's it's a and it happens because of you come off the string clean, right? You're using all the proper right. muscles. Um, right. Yeah. You know, no relaxation. The fingers simply stop holding the string. You know, it didn't stop pulling. Most people stop pulling, so you see the arrow come forward. So no, that happens. So it slides right in your face and comes back to the shoulder touch unless you stop it somewhere. That being said, as long as you don't have any relaxation or anticipation, which, you know, is part of the relaxation, you stop pulling. Um, you know, even a couple inches straight down the face, not out, but straight back the face, is actually plenty to have shoot really good shots, you know. Yeah, because there's, I mean, definitely, if you watch, like, Lancaster, there's yeah. guys who have either, like, a static release where their hand doesn't move, or you'll see it kind of flop down like what you were just describing versus right. that, uh, I don't want to call it exaggerated, but but that movement, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, and you know, most of the time, uh, again, a lot of things work, you know, and, and um, you know, and I, I know some of those guys and know, know what they do, but they do it very well. They do it exactly the same way every time, you know. And, but, and in the case of some of them, actually, came to me for coaching a little later on because they realized that there were some guys on the world stage that, you know, they really pulled through shots and they were very technical about things and they were having a hard time competing with them. So they wanted to improve their game. And the guy that's, you know, the guy that can aim real well and he's got great form and solid back tension and a lot of it, he, he, on a day-to-day basis, he's hard to beat. So, all right, so you brought up something, you know, like, how do you, um, like, mentally prepare for a tournament? Because, you know, in my years past, if I make a bad shot, I tend to lay on it pretty hard, and it affects me, right? I can definitely see it affect the rest of my shooting throughout the day. Um, Take one shot, one bad shot, and make three or four out of it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, that's all pretty simple. Once you, uh, 
manage your expectations. You know, uh, uh, a guy goes to the tournament and he's he's all score oriented. You know, like okay, he shot a five or he missed a target. Well, it's hard for him to get over that. If a guy is execution oriented and he says, okay, well, I shot a five, I, I can't control. You know, I could have missed a yardage. I could have. Uh, there's, uh, you know, it was uphill, downhill. The target was leaning. I could have done a lot of things wrong, but my shooting was solid. I executed a good shot. And if he can take pride in executing a good shot, I guarantee you he he don't have those misses. You know, in a while. And they don't have the pressure and the frustration that a guy's all about scoring. You know, I've shot with guys. You ask them any time, and how many points are you know how many points are down on the course, and they can tell you right then. Or they'll you you can say, okay, well, what'd you shoot on you know target three? That little uh, all that uh, all mountain line down the set quarter down the hill. Oh, I shot a you know I shot a five on it. Where I, I, you, I don't know because that shot is over with, you know, and, and I don't think about it again. I stay behind the bow and I, I execute really well. Now, that saying, I work on yardage. I work on knowing how to set gap on an uphill or downhill shot, a leaning target, leaning to me, leaning back. I, I know how to set all those things, and I set it the best of my can. But I'm just successful on how well I shoot the bow every time. You sounded you like a, you took that out of a book. I mean, um, that that's Pardon? that's pretty good. Have you ever read the book with winning in mind? Uh, yeah, the, uh, I think uh, there's a couple of them. Uh, uh, one of my old coaches wrote one of them, and uh, Al Henderson, and then um, Lanny Basham wrote. Uh, yeah, Lanny Basham. His, yeah, he wrote it. It's about the same title, but yeah, I've read them both, and, and I like Lanny's work too. Man, it, it's incredible. I mean, I definitely put that. Like, if anyone listening wants to get better mentally, with yeah. "Winning in Mind" by Lanny Basham is an outstanding book. And I, I agree. I, I mean, I really like. The more I think about it, I really think that's what makes the difference between. Uh, I mean, because shooting the bow, it's relatively hard. But once you get it, you know, the biggest thing that separates, you know, probably fifth place from second place is mentality. Or even right. you know, and it's it it is so much more in in between our ears than what we think about. You know, like there's a lot of stuff out there today where we try to think about other things to basically put band aids on other things when we should just right. trust the process, right? And versus exactly. the outcome. You know, you know, um, I had a guy at IBO trad this year. You know. I seen you. I spoke down there. I came in and talked to him. a guy. Hits me up, and I don't really know. I know who he is, friends who he is, or whatever. I know all the old guys, you know. But he said, "I got a problem. All of a sudden, I'm dropping my bow. You know, I'm shooting low. I'm dropping the bow every time. And I never do that at home." And I said, "Well, no, what's different? It's the same bow, same arrows, same strings. You know, and the same shooter. So nothing's really happened, has it?" And he said, no, everything's exactly the same. I mean, same team, I ain't changed anything. I said, well, what is the difference now? And he thought, and I said, I'll tell you what it is, is score. Now you're so worried about score, you're dropping that bow where you can peak every shot. You know? So if that same guy, and it, you know, he's a good shooter, it cost him several points and moved him on down the, the you know, the list pretty hard. But... Had that guy could have approached that is okay. I know how to execute. I got same bow, same string. I'm gonna execute. I'm gonna take pride. Whatever happens, if I shoot a five or I shoot a eleven, I'm gonna take pride in how well I execute. And that's where I'm gonna keep score at is how many good shots I shot. If he could approach it that way, what well, he would have never wanted to look. So he was shot his average anyway. And, you know, I've known some good shooters that, like, one an old friend of mine for a long time ago, he kept a pocket full of dimes in his right pocket. And for every time he executed a good shot, he'd pick a dime from his front pocket and put it in his left. And he'd get back to, you know, after he was over with, or get back to the hotel. Then he'd pull all his lefts and count his score. That's how he scored everything. That's pretty good. Right. So that's how he done it. 
Um, you know, a lot of guys will clicker. They just click, you know, a little clicker. You say, might say them on a quiver, say a click, the shot, say, hey, excuse me, good shot. You know, and I don't think you really need to do that. But if what you take pride in and what you judge success in, how well you execute it, well, one, that pressure of being in a big tournament is not a problem. Execution's your big deal. So target panic's not a problem now because it's all about execution. And you can execute if you're not worried about scoring. You know what I mean? So a lot of those problems go away once you can get the mindset of your your goal is to execute a good shot, not to point value. No, that's a really good point. I mean... Because I, even I've done that. I've gone into tournaments or the second day of a tournament telling me what I have to shoot that day. Yeah, um, it's killer. Oh, it's man, it's, killer. it killed me. Yeah. It killed me this year for sure. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying a ton of guys too, you know, because I'm over a shot for a long time. You know, and they come out the first day and say a two-day tournament, say a national or, you know, two-day tournament. And, and they come out and they just trying to do what they do at home. You know, they're just trying to do what they know how to do. You know what I mean? And not long time, not long term shooters, but say newer guys. And they come out and they just try to do what they know how to do real well. You know what they've been doing in the backyard. And lo and behold, they shoot really, really well. And they look at the leaderboard that afternoon and holy moly i'm number three in this thing i never i mean how did i ever how did i ever get shooting with these guys you know and um but a funny thing that happens to that guy most time he goes home or goes to the hotel or goes wherever and he gets to thinking about it and this thought kills him for the second day he thinks oh my i could win this thing where he went just trying to do what he knew how to do. Now he's thinking about winning, so those points are more valuable than they were the first day. And he crashes and burns the second day, you know, because that, and, and, you know, from the exact opposite, I've seen guys come out and they crash and burn, you know, right off the bat. I mean, just, you know, the first 10 targets, they've already dropped enough points for two days. And then all of a sudden they realize, well, I can't win this thing. I can just shoot the bow and do what I know how to do. And they shoot pretty good the second thing. You know, but it's, a, it's the same deal. It's a mindset of what's important to you. Yeah, no, I agree. This year, I mean, after, especially after taking a break, you know, I was living in Amman, Jordan for two years. So after right. that break and then coming straight to Trad Worlds, um, I held my stuff together for the most part. I forgot about the humidity for some reason. I don't know why, but I forgot about that damn humidity. But um, it, it was a really fun, fun couple of days. I, I enjoyed it. And I, I think personally, you know, you always hear like, I'm just a bow hunter. I mean, pretty much everybody there is a bow hunter. And yeah. it, I've never heard of any bow hunter getting better at target shooting by being a bow hunter. You know, you get better at, at being a bow hunter by target shooting, I feel, just because of your confidence, your accuracy, the pressure that's applied. Um, it helps solidify what you know to the point where your confidence is unbreakable. And Yeah, I, I tell people this all the time. It's another podcast. was is the only thing that got me interested in. All, all I want to do is be a bow hunter when I was a kid, you know, but there wasn't any bow hunters. And I, I missed the first deer I've had a shot at, a big fat doe down here. And it's behind my back door now. I own the place. But um, I shot every arrow I had and never did. Couldn't, didn't make her completely quit eating acres. I made her jump a time or two. But I, I didn't know how to shoot under pressure, you know. And that's what caused me to seek out people that really did know how. And it led to you know, going and seeing coaches and working on this and working on that because I never wanted to miss another one. So when you were, so back back in the day, I hate to say it back in the day, I'm not trying to show your age, but who, <laughs> who were the coaches back then? You know, I mean, because now when the two main coaches that are brought up pretty much for traditional stuff is you or Tom Klum. I mean, was there a bunch of coaches back then or was it pretty slim? They were, they were all you know, in, back in my day, they were all field archery coaches or uh, Olympic archery coaches. You know, we had 
Uh, Dick Tone was a great one. Uh, uh, Kemp Strickland was an, another great one. Um, Al Henderson, one of my coaches, was a fantastic one. And Lenny Cardinelli was the, the main guys, you know, but they coached everybody for everything. You know, we didn't, we didn't take down, okay, with Olympic archery, you, you need to, you know, learn how to draw the bow and get off the string plane. We felt like that even a guy that just wanted to be a bow hunter, he needed to do that too, you know. No, I agree. I mean, if, if accuracy is what you're looking for, I mean. Right. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm pretty impressed with the course. You know, I definitely want to come down. And what, Are you going to be start doing any more courses next year or any classes? I am. We really, you know, I, I, I guess I'm just, uh, again, being old, I want to do things. Like, Bowhunt's still a big part of, you know, my life, and I don't travel as much, but. Um, you know, I kind of shut down everything from, I try to have it shut down by October because we open October 15th and we go to February 10th. So really don't start planning anything to after, you know, at least January after the first year start going, going up. I book one today. Um, you know, clinics has been weird now when used to, you know, a guy would want to put together a clinic and we do this and you'd see online, uh, you know, Rod Jenkins clinic one. Now, most of the time when a guy calls me, he's already got his 12 and he's booked up, you know. So it, it's, I, I need to find a way to get more clinics to allow more people to come. Because like I said, this clinic I booked today, they got their 12 and you know, they're ready to go. So, you know, nobody got a chance for that. That's, you know? yeah. Is that is that going to be at your range or is that going to be somewhere... Uh, this is going to be in somewhere else's range. I'm traveling for this. And most of the clinics I do travel now. I, I do. I still do a lot of one-on-one guys here. Some of them just starting. Uh, a high percentage of the guys has had some success and, and want to reach that next level, you know. I think coaching is something that's really underrated, especially in our community. And, uh, you know, basically for the, for the price of some really, really good arrows – uh, right. With the ease of what you had put together with uh, Jimmy and the push, I mean, just the amount of knowledge you can gain out of that. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just super cheap and, and well, you know, even if you just want to be a bow hunter, you learn a lot. You know, like one thing, and of course Jimmy's a bow hunter too, and you know, I coach Jimmy. But one thing when we was talking about what we're we gonna do, I said, well, keep it simple, and Jimmy said, well. Let's explain, you know, how people miss deer out of tree stand. So we added that, and I think it was a worthwhile addition. Well, I mean, you got a couple of things in there. So your the different colored strands of string. Never would have thought right. that. Yeah. Never just, ever would have thought that. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes you have to be one of those guys, that's, you know, to really place importance on that is to be out and actually compete and beat those bushes, you know. And you, and you find out it's kind of like, um, we'll say you're in the military. Uh, what your handbook said was not how y'all operated when you got to the Middle East, correct? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, we were using a bunch yeah. of outdated stuff. Right, I mean, but you, you, you learn from the guys that have been there and done that, and then you have a better way. So that's what competition does. It gets you those better ways. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's... I think I'm hoping it's the future. I mean, IBO was pretty big this year, I thought. Um, I hope it yeah, gets... it was. It was a good crowd for, especially in a COVID year, terrible year this year. They still had a good crowd. Yeah, uh, I, can't, I can't imagine I, what I next was, year. You know, my little speech or discussion or whatever, seminar, I, I, I was really amazed at the amount of people there, you know. Not only this to me, but the fact that there were that many people to get most of them out there. So it was kind of neat, you know. Yeah, no, I'm hoping to see it. You got some bigger name guys that are shooting a stick bow now, so I'm probably going to be seeing a lot more newer guys. Um, I even saw Don Jr. killed something with his stick bow. I think it was last year or something, but um, yeah, he's been he's been on the bow hunt uh, uh, for several years. His grandfather was a traditional hunter. Oh, cool! I didn't even know that. Yeah, for uh, when I had safari to 
you know, he he bought stuff from me. The whole, I mean, right. I think Quiver was one of the first products with that after Bowcases, but he'd already bought Bowcases. He he was a good customer all his time. Yeah. So he's been around for a while. That's awesome. No, that's really good. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm glad your mouth is feeling better. I know you had a dentist appointment earlier. I thought maybe... Nobody likes a dentist. No, nobody. Well, I mean, with the southern drawl and the dentist, I was like, man, this is going to be really tough. But, no, it turned out really well. Um, Hopefully people will understand me. Are you you still using a website for for your stuff online or... That'll be but on the Safari Tough. Still fan stuff uh, on Safari Tough. Okay. Dot uh, com. Yeah, it's still. And then you're you're super approachable. So anyone listening, Rod's always on it. He's always on Messenger. You know, he's not too far from it. And uh, you know, you did that series with the Push. So that's another place you can find him. It's called The Roots, and that's him and Jimmy Blackman. Was was Jimmy a retired colonel? Is that what he was? Yeah, it was Fulberg. Fulberg, okay, yeah. Um, and I thought you guys put on a great, great series. Talks about a lot of things that uh, your average bow hunter might have an idea about, but you know, you guys kind of break it down to where even a grunt like me can understand it. And it was, <laughs> it was very simple. Well, no, I enjoyed it. Well, Jimmy, you know, he started over. He was a country boy from North Georgia. So he started as a grunt, just kind of went a different path. So, oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, he started in a, a rank private. Oh, good deal. Good deal. Yeah, well, again, I, I thank you for your time and uh, appreciate everything you've done for the community because it's a lot. So big thank you. Yeah, I, you know, sometimes I don't really realize, uh, you know, how much until, you know, I talk to some guy and say, hey, I really stayed with this because of you. I, I know uh, uh, Fawn Gerard, you know, Fawn's a great shooter. And she said, hey, I stayed with it because you taught me it was fun, you know. So it's not all seriousness. You can be, you can have a good time and still execute good shots. A lot of people think it's too much work, but it's it's not. You know, stick bow is always going to be a lot of work, but that's what we got into it for. It was a lot of work, you know. So it's not a big deal. That's true. All right. All right. Thank you again. I appreciate it. Good conversation. Thank you, sir. All right. Bye.